hospitality made me what I am today. You know, I can hold conversation with anyone. I I credit that to hospitality and and amazing people around me. I have grown up with, learned from. I've had amazing mentors throughout my life. For me, I think it was all about you know having the passion to still make it happen. Today on Dirty Linen, we are chatting to a man who is trying to free a butter chicken from the pressure to perform. Goran Gahoy is an entrepreneur, the founder of New World Hospitality Group in Sydney, and his restaurant Foreign Return is certainly making waves. Goran, welcome to Dirty Linen. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Nani. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show, and I'm such a fan of Indian food in all its diversity and its depth, so always so much to learn. Tell us a bit about what you do. Um, so currently, uh, of course, I opened um, Foreign Return uh, two years ago, and that was actually after the Avalon breakout in the middle of pandemic. Um, I was hotelier before, and I just had always urge uh, to start my own uh, restaurant and bar and I could see that there was an opportunity and then I just jumped on it um, and actually derived foreign return and uh, launched in uh, Surrey Hills. So tell us about the restaurant. Uh, what, is it, what does it do that's different? Sure, it's, it's, it's absolutely, it's something very close to my heart. Uh, it's, it's something which I've never done before. Uh, it was my first project. Uh, foreign return is um, all about creating nostalgia, you know, with um, everyone who's left uh, either India and is residing here. But more importantly, it's it's a journey. It's an experience. Um, I personally felt that uh, I think I've lived in Sydney now almost 16 years and I went to a lot of Indian restaurants myself. Um, the experience never felt complete uh, when compared to the rest of the restaurants. There was no focus on uh, wine lists. There's no focus on the cocktails, the whole experience from the time, you know, uh, you enter to the time you get out. Um, so I just thought, okay, I think uh, I, I kind of see that as like, you know, um, there was like curry takeaways or, or there are a few restaurants which are, you can partially call them fine dining uh, but again uh, the landscape has evolved a lot uh, since then and I thought okay we needed a, a category of a restaurant where people can actually you know just come relax it's it's not it's casual um, but it's quality um, you know it kind of is fun and and again you know there's a lot of uh, storytelling because how diverse the cuisine is I mean Everyone in today's time knows what butter chicken is, what dosa is, but no one knows around, you know, that there's an Eastern cuisine, there's a Western cuisine. It's so much diverse. And I thought, you know, it'd be pretty good to bring that whole experience within one space where we can actually do uh, the educational journey of our food from India, but uh, in a fun manner without keeping it too serious. So foreign written kind of, you know, targets all of that uh, in, in one uh, restaurant. So, and who do you find your main customer base is? Is it is it expats or people with an Indian background, or is it yeah people of um, from all kinds of backgrounds? Um, I I would say I have um, uh, I have uh, my guests who are from you know all kind of background. I find a lot of customers dining while I talk to them. They are from UK. There are some of them who actually have gone to India and who have lived in India and have travelled across India and now back in Sydney. There are you know guests from Indian background, uh, they are expats, you know, uh, as well. So it's, it's a combination of actually uh, all kind of customers uh, who have, uh, you know, uh, a curiosity to, you know, try um, 
Indian food, uh, you know, where you, they have actually at least been once to India or have heard about it. And they're like, oh, that's pretty interesting because our menu itself is is a draw card. Uh, we do a lot of research uh, and when we make our menu the hero to ensure that people say, oh, okay, I've never heard of that dish before and let's try it out. But then there are some staples as well. So that way it's not like, you know, oh, what is this? Um, so it's our way of really uh, presenting ourselves within the foreign return uh, space. So what's an example of a dish that we'd find at foreign return that, you know, perhaps you weren't seeing represented in other Indian restaurants in Sydney? Um, see, <clears throat> I can't generalize, but I think I felt we created a section called Lost Recipes. These are not necessarily someone's no longer there. And it's, it's, it's more about the fact that these are, you know, the recipes which are forgotten. They are no longer mainstream uh, recipes of like, you know, um, in, in the restaurant you'll find because either people don't know about it or uh, people are just wanting to uh, not try anything new. Um, one of the dishes... <clears throat> I would say uh, we are proud of, I think it was a very, very big favorite, which became big favorite was uh, Lalmas, which was a venison curry. And over the period of time, it just became so popular that, uh, you know, people like, oh, that's that's like something, you know, we don't often see uh, in, uh, you know, um, in, in, the, in the menu. And uh, it, it's really, really good. Uh, to see that uh, current menu right now which we launched I think on 21st of September um, there is like a, a, a tribal curry you know uh, which is cauliflower florets uh, stalks essentially with the regional masalas and it's called gobi dental ki sabji so that's something you'll never see in the menu because it's it's like cauliflower uh, and and normally I've eaten cauliflower steaks here in western restaurants uh, but um, the tribal uh, part of like you know uh, Indian cuisine uh, also has a lot of elements of uh, uh, amazing curries you know amazing uh, variety uh, there is <clears throat> a lot of dishes actually uh, which which needs representation and hasn't been but our way of bringing that to our menu is essentially we have uh, a dedicated section called lost recipes and these are the forgotten recipes and we will always have at least six to seven which we bring as we actually change our menu. And I think we're pretty good and we're trying to keep up with changing menu every three to four months. There's a variety so that way keeps our uh, menu innovative and really refreshing for the regulars as well. And how do you go about finding these lost dishes? <laughs> like, yeah, discovering them again. How do you do the menu development? Um, sure. I think, um, see, lost recipes are essentially, uh, as I mentioned earlier, these are forgotten recipes, you know, these are like, you know, I mean, my uh, grandfather was a great cook, you know, and, and um, uh, he taught us few things which we would have never known. And these are um, the skills and techniques which were kind of, you know, very much he was pro at it at, at his time. And he kind of passed on. But then after that, uh, it's not there uh, as as a, as a dish on the menu, so it could be a representation of a forgotten dish like that. There's a lot of research. Uh, our head chef, uh, you know, um, spends good time really reading about it and then really understanding that where it originated from. There's a base knowledge uh, which is required, and uh, again, uh, there are representation of uh, you know those dishes uh, basically based on a uh, lot of research, a lot of a uh, lot of uh, a uh, lot of ideas around, um, you know, why they are 
so rare or they are no longer found in anywhere in the menu so we look at a uh, lot of research part being uh, okay is this dish you can find somewhere else uh, at this point in time so we look at the menus of other restaurants uh, is this something which is deriving from what era of uh, you know um, uh, the ages of of uh, indian evolution of food and then we look at okay let's shortlist that and we try to see the protein what protein was used for instance venison curry um in india deer is now illegal uh, and and we actually get deer here but venison curries was basically derived from the the philosophy of you know the kings and rajput royals would go out hunting deer in the afternoon and then their all cooks would cook it uh, for them specially um in today's time uh, the mutton is used back in india uh, because of uh, deer uh, killing me illegal here we actually get it so we had that curry uh, in our previous menu and that was the most popular and gets as authentic as once it was being served perhaps so that's our way of really bringing it back to the uh, whole uh, you know uh, back back to life pretty much Gorang, I know that you have a whole other side to your work um, as you work as a food and beverage consultant, helping people develop new concepts and bring them to market. Can you talk about that strategic side of your work? Um, sure. I think uh, as I ventured uh, on my entrepreneurial journey, uh, one of the things I really enjoyed while developing for return was the creative side of how food and beverage concepts could be. and i just felt that i needed to really explore that space um i feel that um the strategic side which really allows me to think about concept planning uh, was a very very a uh, good process because the whole forward project was done during covid uh, we did not have physical help from a beverage consultant we did everything over the phone um we had a branding team based in mumbai and we created everything uh online and and we created everything over the phone so it was a very different experience and i quite enjoyed it um i think one of the things and again it's a very early stages uh, very very infancy stage that you know i said okay if i know that you know i can develop a brand and a concept it would be pretty good to really venture out on the other side of the business which could be really helping people who are aspiring entrepreneurs or anyone who's actually in industry but is keen to actually develop a brand within within the sector i have my expertise in and help them to really grow and and launch something very unique and special um so that's something i kind of you know uh, said okay uh, consultancy sounds to be uh, an element which i need to add to my uh, you know uh, entrepreneurial journey and that's where i kind of you know launched um, uh, the consulting it's something which is i see as a very early days and i kind of you know feel i just need to first do it for myself understand make you know uh, a good product good brand and then actually uh be qualified or be say that you know I'm in position to now spend time to do that. Mm. Cuz what do you think are the key ingredients if someone feels like okay I've I've got a bit of experience I want to open my own place or they have some sort of culinary story they want to tell like what are the what do you think are the ingredients that are going to separate the businesses that will end up being successful from those that will struggle? Um uh, see so yeah, I think um uh, what's what's really important is for someone who's wanting to do this is that um 
there is it looks all good right from outside oh that's an amazing brand but i think there's a lot of hard work required a lot of uh, you know uh, not giving up uh, attitude required to be very very honest with you i think uh, the real key is is the concept development which kind of targets the sense of what will complete the experience when my guest walks into my door and is going to separate me at the same time which they can't get anywhere else my philosophy is very simple that what is what are the three key things my guest can expect from me uh, when they walk through my door which they can't get elsewhere and that itself allows you to start the process of being unique and and really giving something to customers which they are going to enjoy because if i really want i can walk into any place and eat a pasta a butter chicken uh, or a thai noodles you know like thai, pad thai but what is it that is unique within that space which is going to bring me back and in today's time customers are experience driven they need they are they are willing to understand that why i'm doing this and why i'm eating this and they are experimental too so which allows us more space to do that so as long as someone who's wanting to do this understands that is what is required and factors those things during the process of concept development then that's going to be a winner for sure mm that's so interesting because i suppose you know every restaurateur is thinking about costs and how to deliver an experience while still running a successful business but it's i suppose you're talking about things that don't necessarily cost a business more money it's more about how you express yourself in your interactions with the customer yeah truly said i think a small example i could give that to put the context behind it is uh for instance uh, when we were designing the space uh, at foreign return uh we thought about like our small coasters have our immigration stamps of three owners i mean i was going to have my coasters but putting immigration stamps to evoke a conversation with the staff because a lot of guests come and it's like why there are immigration stamps and they are the first arrival date so far three owners in the country so basically i have touched emotion of a customer somehow they are willing to know they are curious actually i have i've just kind of told them by not saying them that what is it and then it allows our staff to engage with the customers so for me itself that small example is is a way to express ourselves and that doesn't necessarily need to cost a bomb you know what i mean and and then kind of it just kind of relates to what the space is all about uh, small expressions of how we've designed the space uh foreign is all about you know um, you know the regional journey of indian cuisine our mural on the wall uh, which kind of represent the journey of our mascot pigeon there's a cage with the hanging books um, you know which kind of represents the lost recipes so for us it's like our pigeon is always outside the cage really spreading the message of love and 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 a good food and if you want to experience that you come at the restaurant and enjoy it wow that sounds really good and very very well realized like i suppose it would provoke questions like this pigeon the cage what's going on so i guess there's this opportunity for storytelling uh but yeah i love that so goreng let's go back a little bit um tell us about uh your childhood and what got you into food and on this journey well it's a very interesting um story um i always wanted to be a pilot and ah. i have no no way i can see that happening but um i was i was always a curious person you know i'm a sagittarian blame it to that but it's just that i felt that uh, if not pilots i always wanted to be in air force uh, i couldn't get through and my childhood was always spent in uh, 
a state called Gujarat, and it's a dry state, um, essentially. Um, I studied, you know, science, and then after that, I just kind of decided to, you know, uh, one day randomly, I was sitting in one of the seminars, and I saw Opera House. And I was like, wow, that looks really good. And I was lost after 12th HSC. I was like, what do I do? Uh, I'm not getting in uh, uh, in Air Force. Uh, there's no way I can see that there. Is there a way I can, you know, still fly? Uh, and uh, I was like, nah, it's very expensive. Commercial license is very, very hard to get. Can't afford it. And then I was like, okay, I think maybe going overseas is going to be uh, a task. And I told my dad, you know, he's like, chill as anything he said you know what find out and go there if you want to and i just researched i was sitting in a seminar saw blue mountains hotel school and i was like yeah that's great you know and i and i think march it was and in july uh, i was here in three months time it happened so quick uh, but i think um, my ambition to get here was around the fact that uh, i really fell in love with the whole 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 picture of opera house and that drove my behavior just okay that country looks amazing i need to get there uh, to see it for myself and then i was here i joined hospitality school here uh, i live and breathe hospitality 16 years that's what i know uh, i was fortunate enough to get my placement at four seasons hotel uh, gave me a great foundation you know learned uh, from the best of the world i believe uh, four seasons being one of the greatest brand i uh, had opportunity to work as a chef in kitchen for two and a half three years uh, it was required as part of my studies and then after that uh, pretty much uh, i was here and so I, I'm, I'm turning 35 now uh, this month and I, it's kind of a very important moment for me because 17 years i spent back in india and half life now here um so yeah so i think my childhood was always always uh, you know um grew up in, in a state called gujarat very very um, you know, amazing states, um, and got introduced to alcohol here and food here, and and my curiosity just grew and grew and grew, and and, and today I'm here uh, where I am. Wow, what a tale! So, um, Goreng, you wanted to be a pilot, but then you ended up coming to Australia and and studying hospitality. I mean, some people might think that that would be disappointing or something of a compromise. But d it sounds like hospitality really drew you in and, and lit, lit a spark in you. Uh, absolutely. See, you know what I mean? I, I feel that whosoever I am today, uh, I have a lot to actually give credit to the sector hospitality. I mean, I was a very different person. I was shy. I was, um, you know, not going to talk to anyone my personality really actually came out uh, hospitality made me what i am today you know i can hold conversation with anyone i i credit that to hospitality and and amazing people around me i have grown up with learned from i've had amazing mentors throughout my life and um, i mean some people may think it's disappointing you know uh, but for me i think it was all about you know having the passion to still make it happen. I still fly, you know, I was doing, before COVID, I was still learning to fly from Bankstown Airport because that is never going away. But I could do it as 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 not a profession, but as a hobby. Um, so I started flying here and that was the best part was, you know, uh, I could do it as long as I had money and I had, you know, willingness to learn. And I'm still aiming to do it at one point in time for sure. Uh, that's not going away. So I can still become a private pilot. And that's one of the things I would love to see myself doing before I say, okay, uh, that's it. Uh, but I think hospitality is a very dynamic industry. Uh, and it's, it's, it's only understood 
few and those who understand it are still in the one and are still associated with one so i think i credit uh, that industry is very hard i mean every day i have my ups and downs and you know, a restaurant it's a very different environment i left my identity being a hotelier it was a big step for me when i was given the opportunity to go to my dream role and i did this and um, sometimes i feel okay uh, what i'm doing but i think that's part of the entrepreneur journey and and it's something you figure it out uh, but i'm proud of what um, i was able to build uh, and uh, yeah and i think um, it, it's rewarding uh, and i think even you see the results when you look back uh, it kind of makes all sense Mm, yeah, I mean, it must be, well, it's very brave to leap from the relatively safe world of five-star hotels into being a business owner. What do you think you've brought from that, uh, that hotel world to, being, to your work as an independent restaurateur? I think uh, if I could be candidly honest, and I can't generalize this, but I feel that as a small business owners, your support system is very much not there like what you are in a hotel you are in a building you know you can reach out to someone for help you have the whole you know network safety net somehow in a way back in your mind you've got processes you've got systems you are onboarded with that which you just need to follow because the system is already working i see a lot of independent restaurant owners actually struggle because they are so much stuck into the floor because of not having the ability to think that how to actually build a system which will work sometimes it's money restrictive sometimes it's uh, the thought process sometimes is the mindset uh, but i think in order for a small business to become from small to medium to big i think what requires is really introducing solid foundation and at one point in time you have to make that call to do it it's all about really um, feeling the sense of, you know, running a great business, but then also making sure that you dedicate yourself to take actions and really reflect. There's a lot of self-reflection I feel I do in, in small business. Uh, there are times when in a hotel you would do, you know, a lot of goal setting, you know, you know where you're progressing because there's also a next up level. But in a small restaurant, keeping team engaged, motivated, and interested in in your journey is is a bit harder because it's such a small trend so you have to constantly give you know a uh, new thought process around you know why we're doing this today okay what is new about this and and it kind of comes with uh, you know reliance on uh, the small team you have around you uh, because if one person doesn't perform the entire team suffers and and that's the biggest thing i think i would like to see myself you know building for my restaurant uh, that systems processes really systemizing uh, so that way we can really focus on 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 the product the people uh, and and let system works for itself so i think that's one of the biggest thing i could take from rest i'm not there yet i'll be very honest uh, but uh, so far i've been on the ground consistently really touching base it's important but i think time is where we start to look at that and, and really systemize few of the processes where we don't require our energy to go uh, rather it needs to be just working for itself mm. yeah it's really interesting to hear you talk about structure and yeah you're so right like there is that 
those those hierarchies, I guess, in a bigger business where you can see, you know, where your ambition might take you, but you do have to really build your own milestones in a small business and then communicate that to a small team. So, yeah, it's a lot of different sort of energy and strategy that you need to put into it. Very true. Very, yeah. very true. So, Gorang, I, I'm, I haven't been to Gujarat. I'm a huge fan of Gujarati cuisine, though, and um, eaten it a lot in Mumbai where the, it's a, the whole Gujarati Tali situation is very exciting. I think, you know, a lot of people in Australia don't really appreciate the scale of some of these Indian states. So, Gujarat, it's like northwest, and I think it's something like 60 million people live in, in one, this one state. So, it's um, an extraordinary yeah, complex, huge uh, state with so much culture of its own. But um, are you a fan of the the Gujarati Talis? See, uh, I'll be, yeah, I think uh, absolutely, you know, in my, I'm, I'm originally from Kanpur, the central part of India, because that's where my roots are from. I was born in Delhi, uh, spent very little time, but I grew up in Gujarat. So Gujarat is what I say is a state I love. Um, everything in our home, actually, every day we adapted are cooking my grandmother and my mother would still cook food which is gujarati influenced food our dals are actually a little bit sweeter as well as we speak uh, it's very much gujarati i still stay like in my home right now in sydney when my wife makes an attempt to make gujarati food uh, it's it's a special occasion because for me she knows how much i love gujarati food it's it's a state where it's dynamic it's very unique and um, I think I could almost say that 365 days, if you want one Gujarati snack, you can find 365 snacks every day and you will not be bored, you know. So uh, it's it's unbelievable. Gujarati thalis are the best. And I, I would, at, uh, I mean, I, I would want to see myself, you know, at four return one point in time, a focused regional cuisine, you know, weeks and where we will bring such regional, you know, experiences uh, in 2023, perhaps if I could. Uh, to just really give that a sense of Gujarati staying in Sydney, you know, so they could really actually enjoy Gujarati food, uh, just specially, you know, created for for the space. Mm, that would be so cool. I would be there. <laughs> ah, for sure. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, so if, if anyone who doesn't know, and I should have explained that like Itali is where there's all kinds of different dishes that are on a platter and you um, yeah eat them one by one or mix them together or, and um, yeah, then sweets come along and more breads and oh my goodness, it's just the best way to eat. I absolutely love well, that's it. That's right. I think, you know, you, you just touched a very good point. I mean, Thali is definitely an experience, you know, and save it across Sydney in many restaurants in today's time. I think one of the unique things I, I, I feel that, you know, people didn't know much about was the lunch tapas, you know, when we were open five days for lunch um, pre-COVID. Um, we had these dabbas, which is different boxes, you know, which are three-tiered tiffins. I always was like surprised that they were just hanging on the wall, you know, the restaurants I've seen. And I was like, this is such a big part of our culture. Like Mumbai, there are like almost, you know, thousands of dabbawala who work with no computers. They have the system to deliver these dabbas to the office workers. And it is such an important part of Mumbai culture. And we introduced those dabbas that you could choose a regional curry and have your dabba for lunch. And we had few fans, you know, within Surrey Hills who would just come for a quick meal to get the dabba and get out. You know, I wish I could deliver that. But um, that's something we brought after seeing that dabbas were used as props in the restaurant. 
but then no one knew what the buzz are and and we brought them to life is how people would eat from it and people still say oh can we buy one of those like no they are here for you to just enjoy the food in um so a kind of concept is the same that you are just having everything together uh, within one tier dabba uh, but something not everyone knows uh, and you and then you can spot them at for return so yeah yeah, so cool. And I guess those um, the tiffins and that style of eating, it was the original returnable container. So, um, yeah, people would get get the food and eat it and then, yeah, get it, swap the container. It's really, yeah, very environmental as well, especially getting around by bike. So, yeah, awesome. Um, Gorang, it's been so awesome to have a chat to you, learn more about what you do and the way that you bring your philosophy into your business at Foreign Return. Um, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for chatting to us today at Dirty Linen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Johnny. Thank you. And uh, thanks for having me today and uh, sharing and, and letting me be piece of this. So thank you. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.